Um, glad uh, to be together. Always love uh, being here on Sunday mornings together. Uh, before I jump into my sermon, I'm going to invite somebody up to share uh, briefly here. Jada, if you'd come on up. Uh, some of you guys, you may have met Jada. If you haven't met Jada, she's a, a wonderful young woman who uh, I've just enjoyed getting to know. Um, it was her and her family have been apart. Come on up, Jada. Jada is uh, going to share with us an opportunity that she has and a call that she has and uh, an opportunity we have to support her, uh, really, as she goes where God calls her to go. So you go ahead and take your... Oh, you, yeah, you can use that. You use that. <laughs> I was going to move it, but you, you use it. Okay. Okay. Um, good morning, church. My name is Jada. Um, I'm 19 years old. <laughs> um, you may or may not know me as one of the many, 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 many new children. Um, but other than that, I'm also an Oak Life School of Orphan Care graduate um, and now a missionary in Mexico. And how I even got to apply to the school was a whole testimony itself. I mean, I was fearful. <laughs> I was anxious. And God just took me on a journey. And he told me, I can use whoever I want to. The only qualification needed for kingdom work was a relationship with him. And so... Upon, like, the Lord showing me that a month after I turned 18, I moved to Mexico and started at Oakley. <laughs> and, yeah, this school's mission is to equip orphanage caregivers, directors, and advocates on how to work with children of trauma. And so, um, yeah. <laughs> on, yeah, so when I was down there, the Lord just showed up very, very tan tangibly and just redefined all of my previous definitions of him and ideas of him. And after three months of being in Mexico, I started working at an all-girls home, um, and, and the Lord just started to slowly reveal to me what he wanted to do through me down there. And I thought he was going to call me to be a daytime caregiver because that was one of the needs this home had. But um, as I was seeking the Lord on it, he gave me a vision, and it was a puzzle piece, and the centerpiece was flipped the wrong way. And he told me, you belong there, just not in the way you think you do. And slowly, this, this position started to form, and the desire in my heart grew to just fulfill this role in these girls' lives. And I knew he was calling me to uh, be a co-regulator. <laughs> and so... There's just a strong need amongst children of trauma needing to be brought back to the beginning of what they should have experienced in the arms of a loving parent. And that's kind of what co-regulators are there for. They just teach children of trauma healthy ways to meet their needs and healthy ways to regulate their emotions. And so now my mission is to connect, empower, and, and give a voice to his precious daughters down there. And God has just permanently stamped the desire in my heart to um, erase the impacts of trauma in these girls' lives and show them the love of Christ. And so, despite the girls' wishes, I came back from Mexico a couple months ago trying to meet the monthly need of 1500 and the Lord has graciously brought that number down to $300, which is amazing. And we're really close to the goal. So if you want to learn more about my mission or support my mission, you can go to oak-life.org slash jada-noel and you can subscribe to newsletters, you can donate, and you can see content of my, like, my time down there, just stories, and I share a bunch of stuff on there, so if you want to go to there, you can um, support my mission. <laughs> so thank you for listening to the mission that God has placed on my heart. Awesome.
Great, great. Well, there you go. There's, uh, there's Jada's website, and I think we can definitely help with that, guys. So I just encourage you. I mean, what, what a better thing to give uh, towards than supporting someone who's going to give their life uh, to help uh, minister to young uh, young, young girls, young children um, who have, have been through some hard things and to minister to them in the love of Christ, to bring the gospel to them. I mean, what a beautiful, beautiful opportunity to give into. I mean, that's, uh, that's something very easy to support. So thank you so much for sharing, Jada. And, uh, and I just, I hope God stirs you guys here uh, to give generously uh, to, to support her. Um, so uh, this morning, we are back in our series in, uh, or we're continuing rather, not we're not back in it, we're continuing in our series uh, in Galatians. And uh, if you've been coming the last several weeks, we've been working through this book uh, of the New Testament. This is a, uh, a letter uh, to the church in Galatia, hence the name the Galatians. And, um, and this is written by a guy named Paul, who was one of the early church leaders. And in the book, really, one of the big ideas that Paul focuses in on is the idea of of are we justified by our works, by our efforts, by uh, our religious goodness, or are we justified uh, by faith in Christ alone? And, uh, and he really is, is hammering you know, this drum. We are justified by faith in Christ alone. Um, and, and there's this idea in, in the book, there's this idea in the world, this idea in your head that like, let me just, I'll give you a quick presentation of this, that if you were to walk up to almost any person in our culture and you were to say, what does it mean uh, to, to, to be, be a Christian? They would say, oh, well, you follow the Ten Commandments, they would, which, is, which would be religious works. They might not even say much about Jesus. Uh, what I have found is that when I ask people this question, or, or you, another way to ask it is, hey, what is it, how do you get to heaven? And they'll say, oh, if you're a good person, you'll go to heaven. And, and that is a gospel of works. You follow the rules. You are a good person. You get to heaven. And the Bible tells us that that way of living is bankrupt, that you will never, by your own works, be made righteous uh, in God's eyes, that you can't do it. And so this is the whole reason Jesus came, was to be righteous for us, because we we can't. Uh, and the, the Bible says he gives us his life, uh, both in how he lived and he gave his life in the sense that he died on a cross for us. And so the Bible says that Jesus lived his life for us. Uh, he, be, he who knew no sin, he didn't know sin, he was sinless. Uh, he became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God. And this is sort of a big, huge gospel point, And um, it's a huge part of what sets Christianity apart. Every other world religion says it's up to you. It's about your your goodness, your ability to follow the rules, the law, uh, and, and the Bible says you can't do that. You'll fail. It's oppressive if you try, and the only way to experience real transformation, the only way to get saved is to realize that God loves you, and he came into the world as Jesus, and he lived for you, and he died for you, and the Bible says that what this does is it transforms us from the inside out, that God begins to, to change who we are, the nature of who we are as, as we believe in Christ, and that leads to a changed life. Uh, religion says, you change your outward behavior, uh, and that's what leads to transformation. But from the outside, uh, th like changing your outside behavior doesn't change your heart, right? Like Jesus actually says, hey, what's more important is what's in the heart. Uh, that's how you know. And so Jesus comes and deals with the heart. He transforms the heart. Uh, and so that's kind of the big theme of Galatians. It's such a big deal. We're going to see that theme every time we read through Galatians. But today in particular, um, we're going we're gonna to zoom in and focus on, you'll see the title here, Leaders Worth Following. And, and really the theme of what Paul writes about today is this idea of who do, do you allow to influence you? 
right? Who are you allowing to influence you? Who are you really following? What kind of leaders do you look to? Uh, And ultimately, he's going to make a case here uh, that you should look to leaders that walk in the gospel of grace uh, and be wary of leaders who sound good but are actually teaching you a different gospel, who sound good but are actually teaching you that, that it's, it's a works-based life or, 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 or teaching you things that lead you away from Jesus. Uh, so we're going to read this passage, and then we're going to talk about this. It's going to be a pretty practical sermon today. Uh, I find in our culture, right, we, sort of, we, we live in a hero-worshiping culture. Uh, we live in a, a culture full of guides and gurus. There's a guide and guru for everything. And, uh, and it can be like you can just find people who are experts on this or experts on that. Uh, and, and it's just so easy to be led astray uh, or to be led into empty things or, or, or things that don't glorify Christ. Uh, and so I think this is, this is particularly helpful for us to, to wrap our minds around. All right, so we're going to read this. We're also going to read a section that kind of parallels this uh, from, or from Corinthians, uh, but we'll get to that uh, a little bit later in the sermon. So here's what he says in Galatians 4, 12 through 20. Uh, Paul writes, brothers, I entreat you, become as I am. Paul's encouraging them to be like him. He says, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And and though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. And they is these super apostles, these other leaders who were trying to mislead the Galatians away from Christ and towards uh, self-made religion, towards self-righteousness. It says, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now, and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. All right, so uh, we read this letter here, and, and ultimately Paul is, he, he's encouraging the, the, the Galatians. Uh, he's reminding them of his relationship with them. He's encouraging them to hear his voice like a father uh, who cares for his children. I mean, he says that. He says, uh, I am in uh, the anguish of childbirth uh, until Christ is formed in you. That's a pretty intense analogy. Uh, he's saying, I'm in great pain. I'm in great anguish. Uh, like You're like children. He's like a, a spiritual father to them, and he cares greatly that they would know Jesus, and his heart is concerned because they've begun to go be led astray towards these false, uh, they were calling themselves super apostles, right? They were sort of saying, we are the greater apostles. We're the ones that really can tell you, but they were actually leading uh, the people back into religion. They were leading people away from Christ and towards uh, the law, right? Uh, And so Paul is encouraging them to follow his example of faith, to become like him, to walk by faith and not their own effort and religious work. This is such a huge deal. Uh, and, and what I love about this passage is it's interesting to me because Paul makes, uh, he, he, he basically says, hey, remember, remember when we lived together. Remember the example you saw when I was living with you. Remember when I came to you and I, I, he was sick. He said he had a bodily ailment and he preached the gospel of Christ. And they experienced this life together, this joy together, this community together that Paul is looking back and saying, don't you remember who we, what we had. Don't you remember this, this life we led? Don't you remember how blessed you were by the gospel? How powerful this message I brought was and how it, it clearly had transformed them and they, they had loved Paul and he's saying, what has happened? 
And, uh, and as, he, as he had written this letter to them, uh, he, he knew there was going to be some pushback. And he's saying, hey, don't you remember this life, this joy, this peace that we had, God's goodness poured out? And yet this other group had come in. Uh, and and they, the, the super apostles had come in, these other leaders who didn't really know the Galatians, didn't really spend time with the Galatians, came in and preached a different gospel. And their strategy was really twofold. First here, Paul says they used flattery. They make much of you, but for no good purpose. There's this proverb I love. This is Proverbs 27, 5 through 6. This is going to kind of paint some of what we talk about today. And this is what it says. It says, better is an open rebuke than hidden love. I don't know many people who really believe that that's true. <laughs> right? Better is an open rebuke. That is open, that is better, like better is it someone lovingly correcting something in your life than hidden love, right? Than staying silent about something serious here. And then he says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Saying friends tell you the truth. They don't, they don't lie to your face about something that, 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 that has weight, something that's serious, right? It doesn't mean that, you know, they're, they're constantly criticizing you, but it says faithful are the wounds of a friend, but an enemy multiplies, or uh, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Sorry, I'm thinking the NIV has, says it a little bit differently. Uh, but these super apostles that were coming in, these false apostles that were coming in, they were shallow in their relationships. They did not really care for the Galatians. They were just trying to get them to kind of join their camp. That was their agenda. Uh, and the fruit of their life was religious and spiritual burden and death. Uh, and so it wasn't, uh, it, it, it wasn't, they were not people who were actually there to really get in with the Galatians. They were there trying to lead them into some sort of agenda. You'll meet people like this today. We have countless people who, they're really just trying to lead you to a political agenda that ultimately is sort of a secular, a worldly form uh, of legalism or, uh, or religious burden. Like if you don't do all these right things, everything's going to fail. Right. Salvation is you thinking the right thing on these topics, voting for the right people on these, uh, in these categories. And ultimately, it's like, here's the thing. People have been voting. Both parties have had power, right? Isn't, aren't things getting worse? Isn't that funny? You ever think that? You ever notice that? Like, we have been voting. We've had presidents. We've had representatives. We've had governors. We've had all these political positions and issues come up. And I'm like, things seem to be getting worse, right? The Bible says, don't put your trust in princes, Right? It's saying don't put your trust in earthly rulers and governments. Like They just won't lead you to salvation. They won't build the world. Like The Bible says God's plan in Ephesians, it says God's plan uh, is to show and reveal God's wisdom and his ultimate plan from before the time began through the manifold wisdom, uh, through the church. Like God wants to show the whole world who he is and what he's doing through the church. Did you know that? The Bible says God wants to change the world, transform the world, show the world who he is and what he's doing through us in the church, all right? And so us getting right what God is calling us to is so, so, so important, right? So the strategy of these false apostles, these super apostles was twofold, to use flattery uh, and to preach uh, a message that sounded reasonable but was ultimately weak and worthless. Uh, that's what Paul says in the, the, the section before we read it last week. Uh, they were teaching righteousness by works. This idea, again, I said it before, it's very common in our culture. You know, people believe, oh, how, do you, how are you a good person? Well, you follow the law. How do you get to heaven? Oh, you, you're a good person and God sends you to heaven. It sounds rational, but the Bible says that it is bankrupt, that it actually leads to spiritual death. And the only way to be justified is through believing in 
Christ. I know I say that a lot, but so did Paul, so we're in good company. Uh, so Paul's in great anguish, um, and he, he really uh, bought into the lives of the Galatians. He lived with them. Here he is later, right, like he's writing back to them, and he's saying, hey, I want you to know what God has for you. I want you to know I'm here with you. I'm in your life, and I, plead, I hope that you come. And what we know, the fact that we have the letter of Galatians, we know that ultimately God used Paul. Uh, and I mean, like these things he's writing, these aren't just Paul's sentiment. This is holy scripture. This is like God showing us something about how he works and the nature of how leaders uh, should look in our life, how people should be in our lives. Uh, and, and I love it. I love it because, you know, you read these letters, you read this part of Galatians, and you're like, man, Paul really seems like he's struggling. But we know, the fact that we have Galatians, uh, that, that this church took and received Paul's words. They took and received Paul's leadership, his influence. Uh, and our big idea today, the big idea I want to pull from this, uh, is this, is that the leaders that you follow, listen to this, because you're all following someone. You might be the main leader in your life, I hope that's not the case. Uh, the, the Bible would not say, like, the Bible's like, hey, you know, that, that, that we, we're, we can be foolish in our own eyes or, or we can be overconfident in our own eyes, uh, that if we're wise in our own eyes, uh, that God will humble us. Uh, but, you know, the leaders that you follow, and we all follow some leaders, and the people that you allow to influence your life matter greatly. They matter greatly. How do you, how do you find leaders uh, that, that, are, that are leading you in a godly way? How do you find leaders that, will, that, that the Bible would say, hey, this is the kind of leader you should follow. This is the kind of person you should uh, allow to influence your life, right? And I think in our world, this can be particularly hard to sort out. So from here on out, we're going to be very, very uh, practical because I, I think this is helpful. I want to I send you out of here equipped to, to better uh, to better find uh, and to understand, okay, what, what sort of voices should I allow? Should I really listen to? Because you know it, I know it. There are countless voices shouting at you all the time, right? There's advertisements, there's, you know, internet gurus, there's, uh, there's, there's friends and family that, you know, the, the, oh, I got to tell you this, you know, there's conspiracy theorists out there. There's so many people out there uh, who, who want to tell you uh, what you should believe and what you should do and where you should go. How do you, how do you work through all this noise? How do you find, I mean, the truth is, is if God loves you, he's going to build you into a community. He's going to build you into a place where there's leaders who can speak in your life, brothers and sisters who can speak into your life that can help you and shepherd you and walk with you. Uh, and, pe- and he'll call you to shepherd and lead and help people um, as well. So how do we sort this out? Well, one of the best, this is, this is, this is great. I love this because it's a practical example of what I'm talking about, but it's also great wisdom. Uh, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got on this, one of the, the greatest wisdom, like some of the greatest wisdom I ever got on this, uh, and I, th- I think it really resonates with our passage here in Galatians, was from a man who is a mentor in my life, a spiritual leader in my life, a guy named Tim Chambers, who several years ago preached up here, here at Living Hope, and while he was preaching, uh, he, he brought this point up uh, where he, he essentially said that the leaders we should give the most weight to in our lives are those leaders whose lives we can see the best those leaders who we can know the best. And it's funny because the wisdom in this is like brilliant, uh, and yet it's something we just don't think about that often, right? Like we just don't think about it that often. What I love about this is this guy, uh, Tim, I I know him well. I know his wife. I know his kids. I've been friends with him. Like he's in his 60s, so the fruit of his life is obvious. 
right? And not only, it's not obvious from afar, it's obvious from up close. I've gotten, I have several friends who have benefited from, from the wisdom and the leadership and the humility of Tim and his wife, Mary, uh, their, their leadership, their godly influence. And, and so it's like, it's like amazing because I'm like, oh my gosh, I see this and I can experience this and I can see his life. And you might think, well, that doesn't seem that profound. But the idea here is this, think about how many people have an influence in your life and you don't really know the fruit of their life. Right? You don't really know what their marriage looks like. You, don't, you can't talk to their kids. Right? you got to think, how new is that in our culture? Like, this is like a brand new thing in human history. Right? Wait, 200 years ago, like, you would have seen the lives of the people around you, and you wouldn't have had like, t- TV personalities or internet influencers or these people who could tell you, this is how you got to live your life. You don't know the fruit of that. And in fact, oftentimes there is a very real motive, that the more they get clicks or the more they get views, the more money they make. So they don't really care what they're saying. They just want to say what will get the clicks, right? So it's not about, uh, it's not about uh, you know, actually helping people. It's about generating income for yourself, right? I don't know if you've ever like, seen one of those like, t- old school infomercial people. They're like, buy my book on how to make a bunch of money. And it's like the guy's making his money because he's selling a book telling you how to make a bunch of money. Uh, and and it's, it's sort of this, this swarmy, like, you know, deceitful thing. So the leaders you follow and the people that you allow to influence you matter greatly. And one of the easiest ways to measure this is like, listen and put the most weight in the leaders whose lives that you can see, right? Community group leaders here at the church, Community group leaders here at the church, that's a great uh, example, right? You're literally, the whole idea of the church is we're in each other's lives, right? Like when you see, like if you're going to get marriage advice from a book, there are some really great books, uh, but there's also some really awful books, and there's also some really awful input, and there's also some really terrible podcasts that won't lead you towards a godly marriage, but will lead you to a selfish worldview, Right? But with a community group, you go to a community group and you're there, you're in the home uh, of your community group leaders. You ask them a marital question and they're both sitting right there, right? It's the husband and the wife. You ever notice this, like how often on a podcast people are talking and it's like, the, 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 like their family's not there, their spouse isn't there. Like, you, you know, you don't really know what their life looks like. Whereas in a community group, you can, you can see what their lives looks like. And Paul, in this letter, again, remember, he's saying, remember when I lived with you. Remember when I was with you, what that was like saying, look at the fruit of my life. He says this often in his letters. He encourages them. He says, look at the fruit of these false apostles' lives. Look at the fruit in my life. You know me. It's like, look at my spiritual children. Get to know Timothy. Ask Timothy what it's like to walk with me, to go with me. Right? There's something here that's, that's, that's weighty, that's, that's helpful. And I, I just love this, uh, I love this uh, perspective uh, that Tim Chambers got me, or gave me. I lo- I, it's been so, so helpful to me. These false apostles had a lot to say, but they did not really love the Galatians. They did not really know the Galatians. They did not really live with the Galatians. And in our world, you can find an infinite number of guides and gurus, but there are very few true spiritual mothers and fathers. In fact, there's a scripture that says something very similar. 1 Corinthians 4, uh, 14 through 21. Let's read this together. I think this really sings well. It really resonates well with our passage we read from Galatians today. This is what it says. Paul says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. Just pause for a second and think about that. Do you have people in your life who can admonish you, right? It's faithful are the wounds of a friend. Speaking life into your, into, into your life that might be a little bit painful. Hey, the other day, you were talking, and you might, you might, you might have been a little bit harsh, right, in that story. Like, it, honestly, it sounds like maybe, you know, 
you, you're, you were a little t- too intense with your kids or something like that. You know, that's me. I'm very gentle, right? You got the people who are like, dude, you're, you, were, you were a butthead to your wife, you know, something like that. Uh, or maybe less kind language. But do you have people in your life who can admonish you, who can, who can speak truth to you? Paul says, not to shame you, but to build you up as beloved uh, fellow Christians. Paul, in this case, these are, these are like spiritual children to him. So he says, I'm not writing these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. He says, for though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So he's saying that there's countless people who can tell you how to live your life in Jesus. Countless people, but you have very few spiritual fathers. And uh, you also have very few spiritual mothers. These are rare things. And he's saying, I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. God loves us enough to provide us spiritual parents, spiritual mentors, spiritual mothers, spiritual fathers in our lives. And I can tell you, having lived with many of them, the great treasure that that is. Right? I'm a little bit of, a, of an odd case because as a lead pastor of a church, what I have found as I've befriended other lead pastors of churches is that many lead pastors feel very alone. They don't feel like they have pastors. Uh, if they have a spiritual leader, I've actually found this very often in the church, not just with pastors, but I have, we've encountered Christians who come to our church uh, and they're like, I'm like, oh, hey, have you ever been discipled? And sometimes they say no. They've been in the church 10 years, I've never been discipled. Uh, or sometimes you'll say, well, who's your spiritual mentor? And they'll tell you some lady they haven't lived with in 12 years that like led a Bible study that led them to Christ and gave them some advice early in their walk that they call on the phone every once in a while, but it's like there's no real relationship there or there hasn't been. There's not an ongoing relationship. And <clears throat> I think part of this is our, our American culture sort of independence, ind- individuality, you know, like sort of just, I, I, I'm good, I got it. But like, I think here, Paul, he says, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I believe God wants to provide his children with spiritual mothers, spiritual fathers, right? And that's one of the calls. That's what it means to be an elder in a church is sort of a spiritual father. I think the highest call for men and women in the church, God wants men to be spiritual fathers. He wants women to be spiritual mothers. But here's the thing, like as a spiritual father in this church, I have spiritual mothers and fathers outside of this church, people who I can lean on, people who I can look to. I've got spiritual mentors in this church, people who I can lean on, people who I can talk to, people I can open up to, brothers and sisters as well. God wants us to be surrounded by a family. He intends this for us. Right, he, he goes on here in verse 16, he says, I urge you then, be imitators of me. I love this. He's calling them, he's saying, hey, as I'm your spiritual father, come with me, imitate me. How do you imitate somebody unless you know what their life looks like? Right? So I love this. He says, this is why I sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. He's saying, I'm consistent. My life is consistent. My ministry is consistent. If you've lived with me, and he lived with the Corinthians for a couple of years, they knew Paul. Timothy had walked with Paul. He's one of his dear disciples. He lived with Paul. He knew Paul well. He's saying Timothy is a great representative of who I am. Right? People knew him intimately. And actually, you know, maybe you're here and you're like, I don't want someone in my life that intimately. Like, Mike, don't please stop. Like, here's what I would say. It's like, yes, that can be a terrifying thing to like really let people into your lives. Like, if someone, if I was in your house like for a whole week, would, would you be embarrassed by some of the choices that you make? Would you be embarrassed by some of the things that you do? Like, you might, you might feel that way. You might say, I don't want that. I want my life. But here's, I would say two things. One, uh, I would say God loves you and, and wants, wants, wants to bless your life. He doesn't want to cause, a sh- like, shame, right? I'd write these things not to make you ashamed, but to admonish you, right? And you probably know that, that there are some things that if, like, if your pastor was in your house all week, you might be like, well, sorry, sometimes we, or you actually, you might live a really holy week that week, right? You might be like, oh, yes, it's our morning Bible reading time. Dad, we don't normally shut up. <laughs> anyway, we were, at, we were near the end. We've been doing this all year. Revelations, we've made it. We made it. We went at a really fast pace. 
What's revelation? Stop it! <laughs> anyway, pastor, you probably don't need to see anything else. Uh, <laughs> but like, I mean, you, you ever ask, like I, I remember, there, there have been seasons in my life where I'm like, man, like I think I would be embarrassed. Right, let me just, let me, let me, like there are seasons in my life where I would be embarrassed if like other pastors lived in our house. Like, you know, like there are just seasons of our life where it's like I was more distracted than I should have been or depressed or, you know, just not maybe, you know, making the better choices, just choosing cheap entertainment or, uh, or, or more empty things, uh, you know, than, than I should have been choosing. And, but the point here is God doesn't want to make us ashamed, but he wants to admonish us and shape us. And, and really the key to this is spiritual family. It really is spiritual. That's the key to this here. It's not, you know, these distant, you know, experts or guides and gurus or people who just have an opinion, but don't, they, don't, they don't really know you. Um, they don't really have a relationship. Uh, it, like, you, we've got to have spiritual mothers, spiritual fathers. And I just, I love this. I really love this First Corinthians passage. I just, I, it, I feel like it's in the same spirit. It's just a little more clear, a little more direct. But he says, I sent you Timothy. And then he says, some are arrogant as though I, weren't, I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon. If the Lord wills, and I will find out, not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? So I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? That sounds a little scary. <laughs> Paul's like, I'm coming. <laughs> do you want me to come in gentleness or do you want me to come with a rod? Uh, and, and again, this is idea. He says, the kingdom of God does not exist in talk. It's not just saying things. Like I can get up here, listen, I can get up here and I can preach to you and I can say, oh, this or that. You know, I, I can say whatever I want, but like, does my life have the power of the things that I say or is my life empty? That matters. Because I'll tell you, like, if I'm up here and my life does not match my preaching, like, if my life is not full of the power of the kingdom of God, right, like, there's something off in that. It's got, but, like, how do you know? Unless, unless you're, you know me. And here's the thing. We're a, local, we're a small local church. Like, you can know me. You can be a part of my life. You can, my wife's up here somewhere. There she is. My kids are running around the church, right? right? Like, if you're around, if you show up, you'll see that. You'll see interactions with me and my wife. You'll see, like, we were, we were hanging out, you know, we hang out at community group, and, and our community group's got a lot of people in it, and, and it's like, there are t you know, you'll see interactions of, 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 of your leaders, and not just your leaders, but the other people in the church, and it matters, right? It, it matters that we're not just people of talk, but people of action, right? People of not just talk and action, but spiritual power. Does your life have spiritual power in it? Are you walking by faith in Christ, or do you talk a Christian talk and live a secular life? I, it, like this matters. And you know, one of the way, again, like think about this, your influence into the church will be affected by how you live your life. And if you're living your life in the community of God, if you're living your life around spiritual mothers and fathers, right, they will see into your life and, and it will, it actually brings more kingdom power, right? It's hard to, you can't really live in the church near to people and be a hypocrite. It just doesn't work that way. Right? Like, I can't, I, I, like, the more my life is lived in front of others, the harder it is to become a hypocrite. Like, it's very easy to be a Christian hypocrite if, you're, if you just come to church on Sundays and you're not really involved in the community. Chances are, there's a reason for that, and you know in your heart. And I don't say this to shame you, I say this to admonish you, to help you, right? And if you're barely, like, cracking in the surface of the church community, right, like, you, 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 but your life is just sort of lived alone, and you're not living in the community of Christians, you don't have spiritual mentors, uh, it's going to be very easy to live your life as a hypocrite. Lots of talk, but no real spiritual power. That's what the false apostles were. Uh, they, were not, they were not really living out a kingdom life. 
All right, so a big key idea here, what, what I want to get to you guys, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be winding down here, is that you need spiritual mothers and fathers. You need spiritual brothers and sisters. You cannot live the life God has for you without this, okay? All right, you weren't meant to be doing this alone. The Bible says that we're being built together uh, as living stones into a spiritual temple. Like God's, God's goal is not that we would gather once a week and, and like be a building for one day a week, but that we would live our lives together, all right? That, that, that like this week, you know, I'm, doing, I'm out having coffee or discipleship with various people and we're sitting there talking about, hey, what does it really mean to be a Christian? Hey, what does it mean, what does it mean for the church to accomplish its purpose? Like how do we do what we're called to do? You know, what does this look like? And I, that's the conversation my wife and I go for a walk yesterday, and we're at like, how, you know, what do we, and we're thinking about this, and not like a burden, like if we don't do this, but like, man, I feel God doing some things, shifting some things. Let's, like, let's reorient our life this way. Like, we need, if we're going to live the life God has for us, if you want to experience all that God has for us, you've got to live a life with spiritual mothers, spiritual fathers, spiritual brothers and sisters. Being on your own is not God's call to you. It's just not. And, um, you know, living in submission to godly spiritual mentors who themselves are submitted, right? This is really, this is a huge deal, right? So don't just find, uh, like, spiritual leaders. Find spiritual leaders who are humble and submitted themselves, right? Like, I've got men and women that I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm submitted to, that, 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 that have a say in my life, that can, uh, that, that can you know, challenge me or admonish me. Um, and, uh, and so you, you've got to have leaders that, that have leaders in their lives that, that model that. Um, you know, you, need, you want to submit to leaders that you can see their lives. You want to submit to leaders that, that, that they're humble, they're submitted, um, you know, they're, they themselves are being mentored. And this isn't to say you only, like, first of all, there are no perfect leaders. Like, that's the other thing, too, is, like, you might particularly love a certain, you know, leader in your life, a community group leader, or, or a wonderful, handsome pastor in a blue sweater. You may really love that, <laughs> but, like, you can't, you can't put leaders on a pedestal either. Like, there is no perfect leader outside of Christ. But, like, at the end of the day, you know what I mean? Like, the standard isn't perfection, but the standard is a biblical model. Like, we want to see people uh, obeying Scripture and, and living, honoring that, and humble when we mess up, or, 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 or quick to, to say, uh, quick to say that, you know, to, quick to apologize. Um, you know, I would say this, be wary. Be wary of people. This is all very practical. I wish I had a slide for this. I can, I can send you guys, because I think this is so critical, right? This, this wisdom I'm giving you on who you listen to, who you spend time around, right? One of the easy signs is, are they submitted to other people themselves? If they're not, that's probably a leader you don't want to follow. If you can't see it or it's unclear, you know, that's probably a leader you don't want to follow. If they're not quick to apologize, that's probably not a leader that you want to follow. Uh, there's a humility that comes. Like Jesus is like the godly leaders, the greatest leaders, they have a great humility and a heart to serve, right? Do you see, are your leaders like constantly avoiding serving, right? Every time we, we have an event, do you see me like dodging out without like setting, putting up tables or like, you know, acting as though th certain things are below me, right? Like call me out on that if you see it. Uh, I mean, in love. I mean, hold on a second, but uh, you know. Uh, but, but like for real, like, you know what I mean? Like that, that should be a heart that you, you see in, in your leaders, right? Uh, and this is who we want to be as leaders. Be wary. Here's a big one. Be wary of people, not just leaders, but peoples, brothers and sisters. Be wary of people who claim to, I'm only directed by God. I'm only directed by, God told me, you have no say. God told me, that leader has no say. You just don't see that kind of writing in the New Testament. Right? There, there are, obviously, we want to be directed by God, 
but all leaders uh, should also operate as living stones being built together. All cre- like, right? Like there's this, the Bible talks about this idea of mutual, so there's, there's like a humility, right? You can be, great, I would actually say you can be greatly stirred and directed and led by God and at the same time humble and submitted to others, right? Right, that's possible to be. And, and you can, and there are times where you gotta say, hey, like I know this is hard, I know this is like, but we gotta go. I know it doesn't seem logical, but we gotta go. That's a very different thing than saying no one has any say on this because God has told me it's gonna happen. You don't even get to have an opinion on it. And I've met not just leaders like this, but I've met Christians like this who come to me and say, you know, you, you really can't speak into my life because I know God has said this to me. And I'm like, whoa, like, first of all, it's like, it's weird when you're like, God has said something to me that covers everything. Like, you, you can't say anything about any part of my life. It's like, what did God say to you? <laughs> like, it sounds like you have said to yourself, you are God, right? Which is often what that means. Right? And, and again, I would say the fruit of these kinds of people's lives is very obvious. It is a life where they are basically God, and, and, and the voice in their head they're listening to is their own, and it is not, it's not the word of God. In fact, sometimes they'll directly contradict Scripture. I had one person one time, I said to them, they, they, were, they were basically taking this position, and I said, well, I go, I said, have you ever been discipled? And they're like, why do you always ask me about discipleship? Why do you always say that? You know, like, like I was trying to invalidate them, and I was like, I go, whoa. <laughs> I, did, I actually said that. I was like, whoa. I go, you get a little defensive when I talk about discipleship. And they were like, yeah, you're always bringing it up. They're like, would you not think I know God? And I'm like, what? Like, where is it? Like, hyper defensive. And this, I was, I was more mature in my spiritual life. So back in the day, I would have, I don't know, gotten real emotional. But I was just, you know, stayed calm. Uh, and, and I just said, I said to him, I go, well, discipleship isn't my idea. It's Jesus's. <laughs> And they, they were like, uh, like they just bricked. Like, like, you know the little spinny ball when your computer, like, it was like that. They did not have a response. And it was because they were trying to use authority to push me out. And I'm just saying, hey, this is what the Bible, like, I'm just pastorally asking you a question. They didn't want any authority in their life. And surprise, surprise, they left the church almost immediately. Um, and uh, again, it's because they, they aren't really even submitted to God. They're only submitted to themselves. Uh, and I pray and I hope that that does it, but it's, it's, it's a very common thing. Be wary of people who claim to only be directed by God. No one can tell them they're wrong. No one can correct them. That's not the heart of Christ or Christian leaders. Um, <clears throat> right? Uh, Another thing to say is oftentimes uh, people like that, they'll sometimes demonize uh, what is good godly leadership. Again, that's not a Christian view of leadership or life. The Bible, in fact, talks a lot about unity. It says that it's, God loves it when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. Um, and so this is just an, an important thing. The Bible also tells us that Satan uh, is a master of deception and manipulation. You've got to be aware of this. Like Satan is a master of deception and manipulation. Again, there's like a really simple litmus test. If you're like, Mike, this is a lot. I, how do I like, do I quiz every leader in my life? Do I quit? No, like you don't have to worry about that. I'm just saying, really, it's just, here's what you need. You need to just think about it occasionally. Think, okay, is this person, does the fruit of this person's life make, match what they say? All right, is it talk and not power? Or is it like, is the fruit of this person's life really match what they say? And, and then you're gonna say, what do they say about Jesus? Right, is there humility? It's basically, that's it. Like a few, like, it does, can I see into their life Right? Are they humble, and what are they saying about Jesus? What, how do I feel about Jesus when I'm around them? Do I feel like, oh my gosh, like they're, they're an imposing force of God, and like only they know God, and, and they make me feel like I don't really know God, or question whether, or are they, are they leading me towards like Jesus, who's and like making me want to worship Christ? So they make me like glorify Christ. Do they glorify Christ? Are they always lifting him up? Like, and, and that kind of, that, that really, those three things. Humility, can I see into their life? Does it match what they say? 
and what, is, what do I think about Jesus when I'm around them? That's, that's a really a simple, a simple thing. Uh, because Satan is a master of deception. In 2 Corinthians uh, 11, Paul says this. Uh, he says, And what I am doing I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission they work on the same terms as we do. So again, you can see Paul, what I'm doing today and what Paul's doing in these letters is very similar. That is taking the feet out of, undermining false teachers, undermining false apostles, undermining those who, who want to lead you astray because there's many, many, many of them. That's why Paul, I mean, we're in, we have, we've pulled from three books today where Paul is addressing this. Galatians, 1 Corinthians, and 2 Corinthians. And it's in the Bible more than that. Um, it's important for us to understand this. So he's saying, what I'm doing, I'll continue to do. He talked about false teachers way more than I do. Um, but it's worth saying on occasion. So that he can undermine the claim of those who like to claim that and their boasted mission. You see this, this arrogance, this overconfidence. He's saying false teachers will always have this arrogance, this overconfidence about them. They won't be correctable. They'll be highly defensive. Um, they'll try to manipulate you. He says, for such men, and sometimes women, uh, are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. They will carry the name Jesus, but they won't actually be his disciples. And no wonder they do this, he says, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise when, when, if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. So he's, again, he's saying, like, if you watch their life, you'll see it. If you watch their life, you'll see it. You know, I have seen many people come in uh, with this sort of heart, this sort of arrogance, this sort of overconfidence, and, and they train wreck their life. And unfortunately, sometimes I've watched them train wreck other people's faiths before it becomes obvious in their own life. Um, so again, you know, our measures are, are, are not complicated. It's what, you know, what can I see into their life? Does their life match what they're saying? Are they humble? Do they have a sense of humility about themselves? And what do they say about Jesus? Those three, answering those three questions in a way that lines with the Bible will almost always help you to see, you know, is this person really um, from God to help me or are they, do they have some sort of agenda or are they, they got some great pride that's directing them? You know, we have to think critically about the leaders we follow and the people we allow to influence our lives. Many will claim to be good. They'll claim to be on God's side. But even Satan tries to hide like this. He tries to disguise as being good or on God's side. Um, <clears throat> and again, this, this idea of life together, you will see their end will correspond to their deeds. Godly men and women will all persevere. Like they just will. Like that's kind of, that's comforting. Right? So over time, sometimes over a few months, I've watched this. It's so tragic. Again, being a pastor, I've seen this stuff. I've seen like the great boomerang. Like I, I have grown a great confidence when I see people come into the church, get influenced by someone very unhelpful who might only be at the church for a season. Uh, and then they leave the church and then they boomerang back, and I've had, you know how many times I've sat at coffee with somebody? I'm thankful now. This is like what it means to be a little bit seasoned, where I've sat across from someone at the table, and they said, I am so sorry. So-and-so said this, and they said that, and they said this, and they were wrong, but I believed them, and I'm sorry. I mean, I have seen some people who I thought had a pride issue apologize to me, like, for believing someone who came in, and, and like, and then that person, their life, like, corresponded with their deeds, it turns out. It turns out everyone's life will correspond with their faith at the end of the day. Uh, and so if you just watch long enough, you see long enough, you'll see it, right? Like, we, we, I mean, I've been the pastor of this church because God's called me to be the pastor of this church, right? Like, and, and God's, like, that faith in God and God's call in my life has corresponded with the trajectory of my ministry. Uh, and, and I would 
would say you see that in the church. There's countless men and women in this church who have walked faithfully for decades. And the only way you can do that is if you're being empowered and strengthened by Christ, right? It's the only way that you can, you can do that. Um, anyway, I hope this is helpful. Um, I, I do want to encourage you. I don't think this is a super difficult task. Once, once you realize how to spot helpful, godly mentors, you begin to add them to your life. Uh, the, the people who kind of, they, that like it's forced, <laughs> they will fade away. Um, and, uh, and, I'm, and I'm telling you, it's just, it's, it's worth noting because Paul, I mean, Paul talks about it a lot here. Um, it's happening. You have people in your life who, again, this isn't like, there are people in your life who will tell you just to do whatever you want. Like, that's, that's, the measure is not like, how do I emotionally feel about them? The question is, <laughs> like, what do they say about Jesus, right? What do they stir in me about Jesus? Are they humble, and does their life match their talk? Like, I notice how I didn't say anything about, do they offend me sometimes, right? Because faithful are the wounds of a friend. Actually, the real godly leaders in your life will offend you sometimes, right? My preaching should have, if my preaching doesn't offend you a little bit, like, or a lot of it sometimes, like, I'm not probably preaching the Bible like I should. Um, or... Uh, if it doesn't offend you, you're lying to yourself some of the time, right? Because we can do that too. Like, oh yes, I'm, I'm very, you know, good at these things and, and, and really we're, we're, we're not where we should be. Again, the point isn't shame, but admonishment. Um, right? So uh, anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite the band up. We're going we're gonna to begin to wind down here. Um, I hope this has been helpful to you. Who you listen to, the, the spiritual mothers and fathers that you have in your life, first of all, God wants you to have some. Second of all, the people you allow to influence you, the people that you walk with, this matters greatly. Um, the Galatians were being led astray by false apostles, false leaders, false teachers. Uh, you and your life, this can happen to you. And, and so I just encourage you, um, get pl- more plugged in here. Take deeper steps in the community. Like, there are godly men and women in this room who you could say, I just, I just want to spend more time. I just want to learn more about you. I just want to, you know, you can show up to a community group if you haven't been plugged into a community group. Um, you know, that's just a little step. Like, God actually wants you to live in closer communion with your brothers and sisters in Christ than just coming to church on Sunday and showing up to a community group. He actually, he wants you to, to have a pretty deep intimacy together. And that intimacy will guard you. That life together will guard you. It will help you. It will stir your heart in Christ. Um, and man, I just, I can't imagine spending our time doing anything other than building this, ch- this kingdom that God's building, building out the church that God's, I mean, it's just wonderful and it's beautiful. And again, it's not just about Sundays. It's not just about community groups. It's about what God is doing as his plan from all eternity uh, to transform our world. So I'm going to pray for us here. Um, if you feel stirred by this in any way, or you want prayer for anything, we are going to have some prayer teams up here and I'd encourage you just to come forward uh, about anything and you can receive prayer. There's power when we pray. Uh, and, um, yeah, so we want to be praying for one another. So, Heavenly Father, I, I do, I just ask that you would guide us and lead us this morning uh, deeper into your, your call for our lives. Lord, I pray you strengthen us as a spiritual family. Father, I pray you help me uh, as a spiritual father. I pray you raise up more spiritual fathers at Living Hope, more spiritual mothers uh, at Living Hope, Lord, that we would be your family, that, uh, God, that in this place people would, would be healed deep uh, to their core from, from, from sin in their past and sin against them from their past. And Father, I pray that your power would operate through our love and forgiveness to one another, uh, that, God, you would have your way here. And, Lord, I pray for those who are here and they're feeling convicted. Maybe they're sitting too far on the outside. Maybe they're not really plugged in. Lord, I pray you draw them in. And, Lord, I pray for those who, who are maybe listening to voices that are actually leading them astray, leading them into selfishness or leading them away from Christ. Father, I pray right now you break, uh, you break those connections. You break uh, those influences, Lord. You can do that by your power. 
And Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us uh, into your plan, into your will, into your glory. Father, that you would have your way in our lives. And Lord, I pray you help us as a church to accomplish all that you have for us. God, uh, I pray that we would be a church uh, that doesn't wait for people to come flood here on Sunday mornings, but rather we're a church that through the week we flood into the city. Lord, I pray let us be that people uh, and let us go together as a family. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.